0: it's a phrase from popular movies it's also a question that comes up in our daily life the question is is that even legal we talk about the things that drive you crazy the things you won't believe and the things you need to know and understand i'm attorney bob sewell and this is the podcast is that even legal let's get started On today's podcast, we have Ivan Washman. He is a premier food lawyer, and we'll talk about what that means in a second. He is the managing partner of Amin Talati Washman, and he's a George Washington Law School grad. And I wanted to have you on this show, Ivan, because of your knowledge in food and food labeling, and all these recent lawsuits. Let me talk about what I've been hearing out on the street of the lawyering community. And that is that since 2008, food lawsuits, beverages, personal products, these types of labeling lawsuits are up a thousand percent. And a lot of them have to do with one particular person. We're not going to talk about him, but one particular person and a handful of others that have been filing lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit. Let me give you a couple examples. Um, The one that got me, because I'm a big fan of this fast food taco chain, was it didn't have enough meat in the taco meat. That one got me. There's another uh, set of lawsuits that claim that these products are sustainably harvested and when they're may or may not be sustainably harvested. Now, another one would be a vanilla uh, is not uh, contain enough vanilla. A vanilla product doesn't contain enough vanilla or whether my baking chocolate had enough baking chocolate, had enough chocolate or white chocolate in this particular case. Uh, another example was lime juice. My, my my chip company, what it, that had a hint of lime, whether it had enough lime juice in it uh, or any at all. And whether a highly processed sweetener was artificial or natural. And then the one that really got me because I love this stuff is whether my toaster pastry product really had enough real strawberries to be called a strawberry pastry product. So. With that in mind, don't we have a right as consumers to know what's actually in our product?
1: Yeah, you absolutely have a right as consumers to know what's in your product. Um, you know, and manufacturers of food products, cosmetic products, you know, beverage and all the rights, you know, have an obligation under federal law to ensure that anything they say in their Labeling and advertising is uh, truthful and, and not misleading. Uh, so it gets down to a case where, for example, in your in your strawberry case, uh, you know the, the we can say pop tarts, can't we? <laughs> so they yeah, they're pop tarts. Uh, strawberry pop tarts. Uh, you know, I try not to eat many of them these days because some you know, you're missing out. <laughs> I used to love the chocolate ones more than more than the strawberry <laughs> ones. The chocolate frosted, the, that's my jam back in the day. But but my metabolism has slowed in my old age, so uh, you know they're delicious. Uh, everyone loves them. There's nothing, you know. I'm sure they advertise they're delicious, uh, and they do in fact contain strawberries. Uh, it's not like they don't contain any strawberries. Uh, strawberry pop remarkably. If someone told me there was no strawberries in strawberry pop tart, uh, I might not have been shocked. But in fact, there are some small amount of strawberries. So so. You do, it gets to the question of how much a reasonable consumer thinks, uh, you know, strawberries are in a strawberry Pop-Tart. And that obviously is going to be a different thing for a different person. You know, is there a person out there that's buying Pop-Tarts as opposed to a a competitor because they really want to eat a lot of strawberries uh, with their breakfast meal? Maybe. Uh, so how much strawberries is is sort of a subjective thing in that particular case. And we can talk about natural. That's a that's a whole other thing.
0: But uh, is that uh, the right standard there. right there? Is that the standard? Whether or not the product is misleading, is the legal standard what a reasonable consumer would think? Is that what what I'm hearing from you? Yeah, that's really, I mean, it's it's a so so there's
1: the federal government can bring a case against a company uh, or consumers can sue a company uh, because they feel like they've been tricked into buying the product or competitors can sue each other. And when we as a law firm handle all those scenarios uh, and the standards, you know, might be slightly different but at the end of the day, yeah. Uh, you know, for food content claims, you know, is does a reasonable consumer think, uh, what reasonable consumer thinks uh for efficacy claims like this pill's going to make you lose 20 pounds or more uh do you have the right scientific support to uh to back that up so so that is really sort of the standard i mean like let's take chapstick for example you know cherry chapstick there's a song about it i right know <laughs> do do you think there's actual cherries in cherry chapstick
0: no i'm assuming it's cherry flavored right
1: Right, right, right. So, okay, so let's take that for an example. Uh, we've been involved in cases where those types of claims were actually the subject of a, of a lawsuit. Uh, you know, there's a little picture of a cherry on ChapStick, but there's no cherry. Could a reasonable consumer possibly think it contains cherry? Maybe. Uh, so then you take that to the next step on a Pop-Tart. You know, let's say they're cherry Pop-Tarts. You know, would you think that a cherry pop, something called cherry pop tarts contain cherries?
0: I would imagine. Yeah. Imagine. How much? Well, I mean, I've actually, I come from a household that does a lot of cooking. I don't personally cook a lot, but I come from a household that does. You'd be surprised, like, when you make jam, how little... Jam, even homemade jam, is going to be filled with other stuff, right? Right.
1: So
0: I'm not surprised if it's just a small amount, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not surprised by that. But I do want to know that it's actually cherries or actually strawberries that's in there.
1: Right, right. It's right. And every case is different. Uh, The same fellow who brought the case against the Kellogg's um, for consumers but the Pop-Tarts brought a case against uh, Whole Foods for their uh, sparkling Italian sparkling water. Uh, mm-hmm. It was claimed to be fruit flavored. I forget the exact fruit. Let's call it raspberry flavored, sparkling water. Uh, and on the front of the bottle, there was an image of a raspberry. Um, hey. Now, would you believe that that has raspberries in it? And let me give you one more fact. The bottle is clear and the liquid inside is clear.
0: You know, probably not, right? I You're mean, right. I could probably, but I mean, I do drink those sparkling drinks, right? Delicious. And some yes. of them have real fruit. Some of them don't. Right. What, but, where, but when I turn around that sparkling drink, I can look at the ingredients. I can find yeah. out whether there's actual real product in there or whether it's just flavoring so right. how is it misleading if on the front it says uh raspberries but on the back and small print it says raspberry flavoring
1: yeah it's a, that is an interesting thing and the fda that regulates food labeling the food and drug administration you know does have sort of detailed regulatory requirements with respect to flavor callouts and uh and I'm not going to get into the weeds here for this podcast, but, you know, oftentimes you will see uh, underneath a flavor name, vanilla, chocolate, raspberry, what have you, it will say artificially flavored under it sometimes. Sometimes it'll say naturally and artificially flavored under it. Sometimes it'll just say flavored. Sometimes it won't say anything. And the regulations, you know, are meant to sort of help folks like you care about, uh, you know, whether it's artificial vanilla flavor or natural vanilla flavor. Uh, and it gets to, you know, the what the flavor ingredient is derived from. So if you turn over a bottle of water and it might just say flavor or natural raspberry flavor, that means the flavor was derived from a raspberry, even if it doesn't contain, you know, actual pieces of whole fruit. Uh, and uh, so, so that is important. So, yeah, manufacturers that are fa- strictly following federal regulations uh, with respect to how they're calling out the flavoring, for example, of their product, can still find themselves being sued uh, again by by a competitor or by a consumer or in a class action. You know, because despite following those regulations uh there's an allegation that somehow the the consumer is being misled
0: okay so that's i could comply with the federal government but be be subject to a lawsuit
1: yeah you still could be uh you know there's the 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 company may bring up a defense called uh, preemption which is basically hey court you know, this is really FDA's decide. They make these rules, we follow them. FDA should decide whether we're following the rules or not. And this isn't this isn't really what a judge in some state should be getting involved in. Uh, and sometimes that is effective defense to get to get these cases thrown out of court, as you can imagine.
0: You know, ah. one of the things that bothers me in in all seriousness is I don't when I see that something that's sustainably harvested or something similar to that or free range or all natural. I don't know what the hell that means. (laughs) That is, that is that I, 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 I feel your
1: pain (laughs) and I understand. And like you said, a a lot of this started these, these class action lawsuits started around the word natural. Uh, It started around natural. And to this day, uh, there's no standard definition that the government has for what's natural and what's not. And as you can imagine, I think every company might have a different definition and every uh, every consumer might have a different thought in his or her head when when he or she hears the product is natural. Uh, is hearing something natural different than hearing it's 100% natural? Uh, things like that really come up. And all these cases started, uh, back against, uh, the first cases were brought against Snapple, uh, iced tea and a a spaghetti sauce. I forget which one they were calling themselves natural, despite the fact, uh, that they were sweetened, not with sort of pure cane sugar, but with uh, high fructose corn syrup, which is a sweetener that's, uh, you know, derived like the name says from corn, you know, Uh, That wasn't sweetened with, you know, aspartame or, you know, sweet and low that are pure chemicals. Uh, It was sweetened with a sweetener that was started out its life, its existence from an ear of corn. Uh, But uh, it doesn't look like high fructose corn syrup looks very different than corn. It's not just crushed up corn, which is very sweet. It undergoes a significant amount of processing such that it really doesn't sort of resemble what's coming off a eel of corn. And that's sort of started this whole cavalcade of of natural cases where it's not just whether it's started off in nature, but whether the ingredient sort of has been so processed, if you will, that it's sort of no longer like natural, the natural state it was in. So it's sort of deceptive now to say it's natural, even if it started out its existence that way.
0: One of the things that you know, I've, I've frequently in my life, I've lived on the edge of town. Okay. You know, that, that portion of that is not quite rural, not quite suburban. Right. You know, so there's the people who are still have farmland. Yeah. And, and so I, you know, I know these people that they buy a cow every year and they raise that cow on this beautiful, you know, the lawn or whatever, you know, I don't know what they put out there in their, their, (laughs) and, and you know what their meat tastes better than I could get in the grocery store. And similarly they have their, their chickens and those chickens roam around and every day they go, they pick up those eggs. And when I hear that something's grass fed or free range, that's what's in my mind. That's what I got in my head, but you know what? That's not really not what they're giving me, is it? Not
1: necessarily. It might be uh, depending on the supplier, but uh, but not necessarily. Um, yeah, and, and to to that to that point, and sort of to the point I, I thought of earlier, all those terms, uh, grass fed, uh, free range, uh, are, are defined by. But those terms, unlike natural, are defined by federal law. Uh, and uh what's sort of messed up in our food system is where it's all over the place so the fda food and drug administration regulates most sort of food products but the usda the department of agriculture regulates meat and poultry uh and whole egg products and so yeah so so terms like free range doesn't mean uh they're they're your friend's cow just roaming free and uh on the range in the old west it's it sort of there's certain standards for what percentage of their daily life must sort of be outside of a cage uh, but it but it's less than 100 percent um so yeah so that's a case where yes yeah, someone could could uh act argue that they're misled um usda actually approves labels so that those cases are hard to bring because the, the companies like you know the government actually approved this label so it's hard for you to say it's misleading. But uh yeah, an imagery. Uh let's say it doesn't say natural, doesn't say free range, but just shows a picture of a farm, you know, shows a picture of of uh, of a silo, you know, is that yeah. a claim? Yeah. Certainly images can be claims. Uh and then taking that, what's really in what's a really interesting thing is uh GMOs, genetically modified organisms.
0: Yeah. yeah. So,
1: so you know, in America today, a huge percent of the corn and a huge percent of the soy that we grow, you know, has somehow been genetically modified. Right. Uh, right. Which doesn't mean at all it's not safe. Uh, in fact, it's per arguably making it even safer uh, because they make it, you know, resistant to pesticides. Uh, they make it grow better. You know, there's a big world and, you know, farmers need all the help they can to feed it. And to the extent science can sort of manipulate a seed to make your corn or your soy more resistant to bugs, you know, grow better. You know, it's great. Uh, But question is, is is that natural? Right. So 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 you have an ear of corn uh, coming out of the ground and you can that can that farmer say that is natural if it's been genetically modified. Can they? Uh litigation is not clear on that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'll Very take,
1: I'll, think, I'll that. take it one step further. You know, can okay. the can can the cow that eats the feed that has the genetically modified corn? Can that meat be called natural? I'll hmm. take I'll take it a step further. Can the milk that comes from the cow or be called that's eaten the genetically modified corn meal be called natural. Uh, So all these cases are getting really complicated.
0: And apparently there's no answer yet.
1: There's no 100% clear answer yet, Uh, as usual.
0: Let me me state this. These lawsuits are primarily class actions, right? Right. And in a class action, for our listeners' sake, I know you know what they are, Ivan. It's a plaintiff, they choose one or two people that represent a class and have had similar experiences. Typically, this is how it works. And then they, that plaintiff then represents hundreds or thousands and thousands or tens of thousands of people. Who were in the same or similar situation, and then they bring this lawsuit. Is that how it works generally? Yeah, that's how it works, and that's how you know that's
1: that's the monetary motivation for a for a lawyer to take on a case like that, right? Because if Ooh. you, because if if you know you you are one of the listeners to this podcast, you know, picks up a, a a drink that says it's all natural, says it's strawberry. And you they go online and they're, hey, I don't, I don't think this is natural or strawberry, whatever. Uh, and they go to a lawyer, they knock on your door <laughs> and say, I want to sue the company uh, because they tricked me into buying this product. You know, what are the, what are the damages for that person? The, the price he or she paid for that can of drink. So there's not much motivation for a lawyer to bring a lawsuit when the damage all the they're going to get at the end of the day is a refund for that can of soda, or whatever. <laughs> right? Right. So, so, so if so, the way that the it's attractive to an attorney to take on this case is to say, yeah, you're going to bring the case, but we're going to sue on behalf of the million people who who bought the product and were tricked, just like you were tricked, uh, and therefore, you know, those that million that million people of refunds adds up, and so the lawyer is able to get there. Their their legal fees. Who
0: actually wins
1: in those lawsuits? It's it's a great question. Yeah. So so I mean we've all probably seen you know in the back of parade magazine, some magazine. You know have you bought this? You're entitled to a refund. Uh, maybe you even got a letter in the mail for. And it's not just limited to foods. There's you know you were overcharged by America Online or or you know whatever. Uh, you probably all got these letters that you're involved in a class and you have to you know, fill out all this paperwork and submit your claim, da, 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 da. da. And then, you know, you if you have a receipt that you bought it, maybe you didn't have a receipt, um, you know, and then at the end of the day, you get your check for, for three, $4 or whatever it is. Um, and lawyers, yeah, the lawyers can get hundreds of thousands or, or more uh, for these cases. Um, there's a famous, there's a lot of famous cases in this space, but uh, everyone knows the great Red Bull gives you wings the slogan, Uh, uh, and there was a class action filed against Red Bull, Uh, and there is some sort of urban legend that the case was actually, because it's false claim that it didn't actually give you (laughs) (laughs) wings, but that wasn't what the case was about. Uh, The case was about that they said consumers were being misled, that Red Bull somehow gave you some unique, some sort of special kind of, energy, uh, different than a cup of Starbucks would, different than it's just caffeine and sugar and chlorine and whatever. Uh, And so, yeah, Red Bull, rather, and oftentimes, as you know, and hopefully listeners know, cases settle uh, before they end up in court uh, or before they get too far in court. And that doesn't necessarily mean that the company thinks they did something wrong doesn't necessarily mean the company thinks they're gonna lose. It's really just a calculation that the company goes through that says, all right, you know, it's gonna cost me $2 million in legal fees to, to fight this case. Uh, and it's the judicial system we may end up losing. So if we can settle this case you know, for a million dollars, they do a calculation and they don't wanna gamble and they do it. So, so that's what could happen. In any event, uh, back to the Red Bull case, Yeah, the lawyers got a huge check from that case. uh, And any plaintiff who signed up, any consumer who signed up to be part of that settlement uh, got a coupon for a free uh, four-pack, I think, of Red Bull.
0: Yeah, Yeah, there was... um, (laughs) Yeah, I I am actually... I worked on a case uh, back in the day over... um, when I was a baby, a baby attorney. And it was about um, uh, manufacturing makeup, right? And a man- makeup manufacturer. And it was that, that same type of thing. It was uh, the the lawyers got millions of dollars in fees and it was an outrageous fee. And then the consumer got a coupon. A coupon, and- and it was just <laughs> outrageous, yeah. but it it makes me think though, is this helping consumers did i did I help consumers is was anyone really concerned about Red Bull giving me wings i mean- is anyone really concerned about that, or is it just about attorneys? drumming up a way to make money. And I'm not trying to be too cynical, but I am being yeah. too cynical. But come on, help me out here.
1: I think I think it depends on the case. It depends on the attorney. So you know I'm not gonna, you know, I'm on the defense side. So I am representing companies and I do see a lot of what I would consider to be, you know, frivolous, meritless cases. You know, there's two famous cases which always jump out at me. You know, one was against Fruit Loops uh, where the, the attorney sued Kellogg's, uh, because Fruit Loops, they alleged Fruit Loops didn't contain fruit. Uh, even though it's spelled, you may realize F-R-O-O-T, uh, and uh, that case, in that case was famously thrown out of court, uh, by a, a judge who had a very funny opinion. And similarly, uh, Quaker, I believe, uh, Captain, crunch, uh, Captain Crunch with crunch berries was sued because they said the uh, consumers thought crunch berries were an actual berry. Uh, and again, that was thrown out of court uh, with the judge writing, you know, reasonable. We can't imagine that reasonable consumers would picture the plains filled with, you know, waves of fields of crunch berries growing in the sun. <laughs> uh, so, so, yeah, I think you're right. I think a lot of these are driven by attorneys. Yeah.
0: So a lot of it's not, true by not but not,
1: but not but not all. I, I, think, I think to your point, I think there is there is a lot of fraud out there with, uh, you know, sustainably harvest and what's called greenwashing, which having environmental benefits, you know, with, back in the day, I think the natural, there was more loosey-goosey with natural but I think, as a result of a lot of these litigations, that's been reined in a lot. So, yeah, I, I can't sit here and say they're all frivolous, but but there is a lot of it. I want
0: to distract you on a different topic on the same general <laughs> idea, and the and that's the issue of warning labels. Okay, <laughs> junk food. You know, should I have a warning label? If, I, I mean, if you think about it. Um, if I go out and, you know, and eat, uh, some crappy food every day and all I eat is crappy food and, you know, and I am, uh, um, versus if I have a cigarette a day, I, I probably will be more at risk if the cancer or more unhealthy, if I'm just, you know, porking out on, junk food all day long, every day, than if I'm having a drag of my cigarette every day. It, should I label these? Should should the federal government require labeling of junk food?
1: Yeah, that's outside of my, <laughs> <laughs> that's a giant policy decision that uh, is an important one. I'm not saying we shouldn't have it, but I don't know that I can have an opinion <laughs> on that right okay. now. Uh, Yeah, because then you could, you could get really, down a rabbit hole, right? You have high fat. You know, should should all fast food come with a, a warning label? Uh, or is it just sugar? It's 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 a fascinating discussion and one that I think as a society we should be having. You know, cigarettes have that great warning label on them now, but but other foods don't. But it's uh it's interesting. There were the wasn't there the sugar tax? There was, what was remember New York a while ago they were gonna ban like large Sodas or charge an extra? Yeah, price. I don't know if anything ever happened to that.
0: I don't know what happened to that now. So yeah, let me and, and other than yeah, other than warning, I am mean, using
1: taxes as a way to control behavior. You know, we don't want people to to drive as much. You know, you can tax gas if we don't want people to smoke as much. You can tax cigarettes. Uh, so should there be a tax on junk food? Yeah.
0: Let me ask you this: um, If I have you know if if my pudding has pudding. Love if pudding. my pudding has uh skim milk and not whole milk what's my damage as the consumer am i damaged by that yeah i mean it's so so you're saying
1: you're saying the representation on the label was whole milk pudding
0: yeah. real milk milk real, pudding. Yeah. Or it's, it, it's,
1: it's an excellent, it's an excellent point. So in litigate, if that you're right. So the question is, did you pay more for it than another product because of that representation? Because at the end of the day, right, it's a damages uh, issue. Uh, and yeah, and that and if it gets litigation that often becomes an issue, uh, you know what was the consumer's damages, you know would he or she have bought Spent less on this or, you know, bought another product for less money if he or she she knew the the quote-unquote truth about the product. It's a great point. There was, I worked on a, so I worked on a case. Remember, there was an infomercial product. I know this is not video podcast, but there was an infomercial product called the Ab Circle Pro. And if you can picture it, um, you sort of kneel on these two knee, knee wraps. And you sort of swing your body left and right on like a semi-circle, yeah. And it sort of worked out worked out your abs. It was a big infomercial back, yeah. And they and the company ran a commercial, and it said, you know, six minutes a day for rock hard abs. And they show these, you know, obviously hot, you know, ripped models using this machine. Um, And this wasn't a class action. This was the Federal Trade. Commission, the US government who polices truth in advertising. And they said to the company, show me your scientific proof that in six minutes a day, you know, you're going to get rock hard ads. And the company wasn't wasn't able to produce that evidence. Uh, And so as a remedy, the Federal Trade Commission made the company refund everyone's money who wanted it, who bought the product. Even though it was an effective piece of exercise equipment. No no one argued it wasn't good for your abs if you did that for a while, right? Uh, And because it was so heavy, not only did you get your money back, but you got to keep it because they didn't want to pay for the return shipping. Uh, So to your point on what's the damages if someone makes a false claim, it depends on the claim for sure. Uh, But sometimes sometimes there isn't, in my opinion.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's <laughs> um, okay. So let me ask you, you have been known to dabble in comedy.
1: <laughs> yes. Dabble. Dabbles
0: a great word. <laughs> Give my listeners a taste, will
1: you? So, yeah, I don't just dabble in, in any kind of comedy. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a niche like, like my law practice is a niche. There's not a lot of people who do what I do in the world. I am uh, the world's only and therefore the best <laughs> probiotic comic in the world. <laughs> I don't know if you realized how hard it is to get me booked on podcasts. Uh, <laughs> you didn't go through my agent. and he's, he's very much. Nice. So, no, if you go if you go on if you go on a youtube and search probiotic comic uh you'll be amazed that i'm the only one who showed up uh and if anyone does that you might double my viewers but um uh so uh, yeah so uh so probiotics for, for those who know they're the sort of live bacteria uh that are in yogurt and certainly in in pills these days and they do uh-huh. have a uh, an important role in health uh, but they're live microorganisms so coming up with new probiotic jokes isn't easy but here's one that i hope you will like um, how can you tell the difference between a boy a man probiotic and a woman probiotic How? So what you do is you take some probiotics and you put them on a sl- very powerful microscope a s- a slide, you know, and put them under an electronic microscope, and you look very carefully. And the boy, the man, probiotics are the ones asking for a medal every time they put their dish in the sink. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. Boom. You see how I did that? <laughs> that? That was one of the more easy to understand. I didn't get to the technical stuff. <laughs> Thank you very much. Oh, Thank you for
0: coming okay, yes. on the show. Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. And uh and we'll uh we'll talk soon and look forward to seeing more defense from Ivan Wasserman on uh food products. So anyway. Thank you. See ya. Thanks for listening to Is That Even Legal? Remember, this isn't legal advice. If you have a legal question for yourself, reach out to an attorney. Remember that we're fun, we're lovable, and we are here to help you. To my listeners in 62 countries across the world, if you have something you want to explore, email us at producer at evenlegal.com. And don't be shy about leaving a review for this podcast on your favorite podcast forum. See you next time.